Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely and a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, joined by my dear friends and colleagues, the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg and the Reverend Professor Jason Dale Oakland. Here we and go. Uh, I'm very happy to have you both with me. It's been a while since we've had the three of us together to record. We recorded a couple in Nebraska, the two of us. We're hoping to maybe record. We have to go to another conference. I shouldn't say have to go. We get to go. <laughs> oh, we have to. We go. have to go. Yeah, we are <laughs> We are required as part of our employment. Um, another conference in Minnesota, August 6th through 8th, and we were thinking maybe bring in the equipment. But I don't know if this guy will be too good to record with us out there because he, oh, I could record. he doesn't want to drive with us. He doesn't want to stay in the hotel with us. Well, I have family in the area. That's that's why. So, mm-hmm. doing a little fourth commandment, you know. <laughs> that, right? I guess. Yeah. No. Um, but maybe if he decides he wants to, to to give us a few minutes, we'll record with him. Otherwise, we'll find someone else. Yeah. And we will uh, record away. But it's nice having the three of us gathered here together. We're gonna have a, a bit of an informal. I don't know that we're ever formal. <laughs> a bit of an informal episode today is we're going to be talking about just what have we been thinking on this summer, kind of walking through maybe what we've been reading, what we've been working on, what we've been thinking. We thought that could be a bit of a fun thing to do. We are I, part I, of the... You f- know, I'm... Yep. I just, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. my, my back hurts. My back has I'm really sorry. been hurting. Yikes. You want to know why? Why? From carrying the weight of this department? Carrying this department. Yeah. Is that yeah. what you were going to say? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I did a lot of administration work this uh, this week. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> we appreciate you, Michael. Uh, we apologize if the air conditioning in the back is making a little bit of noise. We may turn it off if it gets too loud. We don't hear it through our headphones right now, so we're hoping it's not too bad. But it is warm. It is warm in Wisconsin. You have to understand we are in on the third floor of a cinder block building. I mean, it was built. Hey to last back in the day, and it gets like a nursing home up here. Mm. The heat is just drawn mm-hmm. up here. Um, it kind of, um, I'm not, not even going to bring that up, uh, but it's warm. And so we've got the AC on. We'll turn it off if we hear it getting too loud, but we thank you for bearing with us. Uh, two of us, at least, are, we're old fat men. I won't say which two. But you don't all want three, us all three of us. You don't want us all sweaty uh <laughs> while recording. But our joke is that uh the department here mm-hmm. um we're not allowed to all get on the same elevator at the same time. <laughs> we uh it's a little Mike and I were not, talking because we're gonna be not, we're gonna not be, for theological concerns either. No. But uh for yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna be calling in the fall. We can go Lord down. Will. I don't know if we can go up. <laughs> yeah, we've been ca- we're calling Lord Willing in the fall. Um we did get to call in spring and, and one one of the and our prom date said no. <laughs> and one of for the, good reasons, which yeah. we respect. And one of the um, criteria is I've said to Michael when we, when we've when we've had things that we've had to look at. I've said, "How much do you think he weighs?" We got to get skinnier. Yeah, we, <laughs> we have got to get we skinnier. Definitely need to trend. The, and the other option would be losing weight, and I just don't see that <laughs> happening. It's uh, it's rough. Yeah, it's rough. So, yeah. so we are part of the. We 15. should do like a. <laughs> we should do like a department like. Uh, you know, one of these weight loss challenges, like which department? I'll just pay the money no, up front. No, just listen though. <laughs> which which department can lose the 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 most weight? We would totally do that because we have by far the most excess weight that right? could be that easily could be, lost in like a six month period. And maybe the prize could be like, I don't know, an endowed chair of something. I would think about it for that if it was for the good mm. of the department. Yeah, that'd yeah. be, that'd be yeah. good. And f- for the mission of the church. Yeah. yeah. All right, we are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. Encourage you to go to 1517.org. Check out all the good things they have going there. We thank those of you who supported 1517, uh, the podcasting network, with the fundraiser. It went above and beyond their goal, which was good to see. We thank you for that as we record on equipment nicely, kindly, um, very thoughtfully provided to us by 1517. once again, in this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, what have we been thinking on this summer. We'll see how that goes. We may not go away long. Michael has to leave us. He's going to be on his way to another state again. Uh, he is just, he's a traveler. Too much. Um, road he's on the He's on the road uh, again. He's like Willie Nelson. Yep. Um, he is our, if he's Willie Nelson, I don't know that either of us can be Johnny Cash. Yeah, as much as I would like to. That's I'd like to think I could maybe be Merle Haggard. Yeah. 
I don't think any Waylon of us, Jennings, maybe? I, uh, I could. Yeah, Waylon Jennings would be all right. <laughs> I don't think either of us could be Chris Christopherson. No, no, that's. He's too talented tough. in too many ways. Yeah, yeah. Ruby but Chris I think Christie. you are a Willie Nelson. I can be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you are a Willie Nelson, Michael. So he will be taken off too. So we're gonna um, hopefully have some fun talk. What we've been thinking on. Hopefully you find it interesting. Uh, we have been busy presenting, writing stuff. Jason doing grad school, so there should be some things that come up. Um, and with that, we will uh, go ahead and make our way to our free for all. And that brings us to our free-for-all where we discuss the pressing issues of the day. The free-for-all had kind of died for a while. It had, it had gone the way of, of all flesh, um, but we revived it in Nebraska. Uh, we, we brought it back when we had the esteemed Reverend Tom Jeske on, and I actually enjoyed that conversation. That was when, fun. When we first mentioned it's going to be albums from 1973, I was like, all right, <laughs> um, we're going to talk about that, I guess. Can I... When I was down in St. Louis for grade school, one of the um, people who had listened said, what's the deal with this free-for-all thing? And oh, we, we, you guys could drop that. And I said, well, it's funny because it's a, it's a very hot and cold thing. Yeah. Some people love it. Some people and we don't. do have timestamps in there, although yeah. I, I forgot to put one in for uh, Tom and Dan's episode. Uh, but that was a good free-for-all that no one should want to skip. But we do normally have timestamps, so you can skip ahead. But we, uh, for our free-for-all, we thought we would just hit on uh, for a moment here. Fall semester's coming up, and uh, can we just dispel a notion here? Sometimes people think, okay, you know, academics, um, college professors, just their summers are, you know, like we're just up north, Mm -hmm. and we're on a jet ski, Mm -hmm. or we're, um, you know, making schmores. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like that, and I will say that our summers do. We are blessed, do afford us some time for, but you know what it ends up being, like, our free time that we're not doing stuff, we're doing projects mm-hmm. or stuff like that. Um, or in my case, historically, club ball, whatever yeah. it might be. Um, but this summer, we've been working. Uh, Michael's got, he's got department head, he's carrying us, he's got administration, presentations, uh, working on a book. Um, I've had presentations, working on a book symposium paper jason's been reading away he was in st louis doing classes now he's been typing away we have been uh i heard Freebird coming from his office before that's right yeah i've now taught him the Freebird method <laughs> tom got me listening to skinner and i wrote i must have listened to Freebird like 30 times yesterday <laughs> and i wrote more than i think i've ever written yeah. at, uh, at one time uh but we're not just sitting around we have courses often to rebuild new courses that we're teaching stuff like that um but we do get time to just sit down together and record. Uh, and uh, we haven't had a hangout yet. No. We didn't, we didn't manage that. Uh, Mike, did you go on a jet ski, ski tour or anything? No. Did you? Fishing You've been boat. on a few vacations. Let's I, not lie. No, I've not. I've, you went to Minnesota. That, I, that's the only one that I've been on. Oh, I've, that was the only one? Did yep. you go twice, though? No, I've only been there once. Oh, your wife went And then. it was, okay. uh, part of that was... For a wedding. Did you make s'mores? No. Didn't, we had one campfire. We didn't do the s'mores that night. And then I had to leave early because I had to go to class. So okay. well, they, I did, they did later on. But I was, I was only up north four days. I, think. I have to say this guy, he has been, I've been in the office every day. He has been up here. And yeah. uh, yesterday I said something to him that I thought I, I would never say. As we were walking out, I said to him, I said, Jason, that was a good day's work. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's growing into adulthood <laughs> right. right before our eyes. But we, So we've had all this going in the summer, um, and we're making our way to the fall semester. And the fall semester approaching, for me, is always kind of like a mix of uh, trepidation and uh, excitement. There's things I'm looking forward to. Um, there's things I'm not, like having to wake up at the same time mm-hmm. every day. Uh, but we don't want to be downers. We don't want to be, you know, just complaining about fall semester. So we thought we would just go around and maybe talk a little bit about what are some things we are excited for for the fall semester. We've already mentioned. Hopefully we're calling. Yeah. Um, maybe we will be getting a uh, a new brother in Christ 
and in the office here uh, on the third floor in the theology department to join us in our labors, to, to be a co-laborer with us, um, to, to enter into synergism mm. with us in our mission. Uh, but uh, I would say my, my biggest, I'll start and I'll throw out. So is this our main topic or free-for-all? No, this is just free-for-all. What's our main topic? The free well, we've been the thinking on this summer. Okay. I said all this already, didn't I, Jason? You did. Okay, that's so, not a criticism. So the, so the free-for-all is what we've been thinking about this summer. Yep, thinking about working on What's the main topic? No, no, free-for-all well, is topic. what are we looking forward to oh, for the fall semester? Oh, okay. Main topic is what have we been thinking on working on this summer? All right, so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> to my credit... You were babbling quite a bit as I was looking at my phone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm looking forward to in the fall. Adiaphora. Uh, nope. I'm in, in. Oh, I don't have that queued up, but I went, see, now you got me. Now, you told me not to do that until I have it as a sound bite. Can you just do the free for all and get over it? <laughs> I, in the fall, I am looking forward to, I'm inheriting, so it's sad, I'm inheriting it because the colleague is retired, but I'm inheriting the Lutheran Confessions class. Um, looks like I have a good group for that, and uh, so I am looking forward to teaching See, what you've been thinking about and for looking forward time. to the same to the semester is basically no, I have the not same th- thing. I've not you know thought I mean? about it at all. Okay. That's after I finish this paper stuff, that's when I turn to that class. Michael, you're being very combative. <laughs> Is everything okay? My back hurts. Yeah, I was going to say. It's maybe a, it's maybe this will help. I feel better now. Okay, you're <laughs> welcome. All right, let's not go right to Michael. <laughs> Jason, what are you looking yeah. forward to give, this fall give, semester? Give his back a moment to, yeah. to recover a little bit. Uh, I would say I have, uh, I'm inheriting class as well, and uh, I've not had a chance to give much thought to it yet, sadly, because I've been working on stuff too. Um but I'm going to be picking up the um, doctrine courses. Uh, and Which we need to rename. Yeah, it's Basic Teachings of the Bible is the official name, which I actually had one student ask me, like, so is this just like glorified Sunday school, like shooting for college level type of stuff? I'm like, no. Uh, that's not at all what yeah. that is. So It's a 400 level. It's 400 level and uh, said, uh, so looking to do some reading and discussion largely um, on the day-to-day part of the course, I started thinking a little bit about how I want to construct it. I also um, want to thank uh, Dr. Paul Laniger as well for being willing to share some resources since he had been teaching it um, before he retired. So um, I haven't had a chance to look too much at that either, but um, that's what I'm looking forward to for the fall. And then (laughs) maybe one thing I will say, I think... um, my schedule shifted up some. I have uh, one class on Tuesdays. And you know what time my class starts on Tuesday? Right after lunch? Nope. 8 a.m.? Very last hour of the day. Oh, yeah, that's brutal. So, Although my Tuesday, Thursdays are almost always one of them is the last. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be, it won't be, it'll be nice in that if I have to do, um, reading work and, and coursework for my studies, um, then I'll get a chance to um, do a bunch of that on Tuesdays during the day. And the other thing, just kind of my, I'll, I'll tell you the courses that I'm taking for um, my, my own program, uh, I will have liturgy and culture, which I think sounds really interesting, uh, and also a history course on the Reformed Reformation. So I'm looking forward to both of those courses for the yeah. fall uh, in my... And, Jason, you forgot to mention, you will be joining us, Michael and I, on the co-curricular committee. Oh, yeah, that's right. We'll be welcoming you. This is Michael's last year of this term, and then he'll be standing for election again um, <laughs> for the committee. And so we welcome you, well, thank you to the co-curricular committee as we will be working together to help uh, yeah. the faculty choose the campus read. For the future. Should be good. And for the undergraduate research seminar. So welcome. Thank you. To that, Jason. I appreciate that. Michael, are you going to say something nice or are you... Um, is your back hurting that bad? No, it's not at all. <laughs> I don't have any back problems. Thank you. 
That was just a joke. There is um, a place in Michigan, if you're ha- experiencing pain, yeah. um, that has uh, stuff that can help you with that. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to go to a pharmacy. That's like, big pharma. That's you can't like, trust it. But there's these places called dispensaries. Yeah, that's billboards. Yeah. That's options. So if you want to check one of those out. No, I might back some. Remember those like little gummy Flintstone mm-hmm. uh, vitamins you used to take as a kid? Mm-hmm. They've got things like that. Mm. And uh, I think it might it mm-hmm. might help. No, I'm fine. Thank you, though. I appreciate your concern. That was um, me, Jason. <laughs> I, I, I figured that's where yeah. you're going. Uh-huh. Um, so the question is what I've been thinking about this. Now you're just... Summer? <laughs> Anything you're looking forward to this fall oh, semester? Oh, looking forward to this semester. Um, new course, uh, Christ in the Old Testament, teaching that for the uh, master's program at MLC Online, but then also here at undergraduate. So thinking a lot about uh, typology. Which is a brand new course here. A brand new course here, yeah. uh, which I think uh, will be uh, hopefully a lot of fun. Yeah, we've we for a long time wrestled with how to do Old Testament stuff because... So basically, like doing survey of Old Testament was yeah. just unwieldy. Yeah. Um, and I think this will be a, kind of an exciting new way for yeah, students so to get to engage that. It somewhat is a survey because we're going to read the whole thing, you know. For the most part, we'll skip uh, First and Second Chronicles, but um, it's just with a narrow focus, mm-hmm. which is the most important focus, right? Where is Christ? And so not a whole lot of extra reading. I'm like, let's just, just dig into these scriptures. I think that's enough for a semester, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... Um, I have I have them read one other book, but it's kind of a devotional book, like a couple pages a day, so it's not a, not a huge deal. So, mm. but filled up. So let's see. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. I think happens. that'll be good. All right. Well, that will be fall, and with that, um, I'm going to turn it off the sound effects to our transitional music. We will make our way to the main topic. Up. <laughs> Dial in. Usually this is you telling me. It's annoying, isn't it? Jason, you're doing alright. Thank doing you. Well. Thank you. I'll spin the free bird. And that brings us to our main topic where we will be discussing what we have been thinking on uh, this summer. And we talked about different ways we could do this, what books have we been reading, what have we been writing, Um, but I I like the what have we been thinking on this summer, Uh, because there could be a number of things uh, tied to uh, grad work, tied to presentations, uh, tied to writing projects. Uh, Michael and I, if you listened to the previous two episodes, you know we had the privilege to be in Nebraska District, our favorite, I think, uh, study conference. Uh, they do a really good job with it, and we used to go down there often uh, when we had friends in the district. Um, and it was always fun to get together with the guys down there and to learn from people like Arnie Kelpine, uh, Professor Deutschlander. And uh, so we were down there. We got to, to present on stuff, uh, st- stuff we've done before, I think, uh, but also been working on. Jason's been reading away, writing away, um, I've had a symposium paper, just have to cover uh, 2,000 years of church history in 75 minutes, which yeah. should be uh, fun. And so uh, just kind of a little bit, what have we been uh, thinking on? And uh, I turned off the air when Jason was talking because I think it's coming through his mic when he talks, mm. <clears throat> but I'm already sweating. Yeah. So I think I'm going to turn it back on, but I'm going to say, Jason, if you can be cognizant of that at some point we should move you a little this way i can move a little that if you want to move just a little bit this way we'll see if it's better but i'm gonna go ahead and throw it out to you guys what you've been thinking on and then i'm gonna quietly walk over and mute myself quietly walk over and turn on the air conditioning so one of you jump in now i can go uh to start and uh i'll say that largely the uh, things that have occupied my thoughts so far have been my uh, coursework uh, for my PhD, which um, that involves uh, doing a bunch of reading and minor writing projects during the semester and then two weeks on campus. 
uh, down in St. Louis at the end of each semester. So I was down there for two weeks in June, and the two courses that I had this last semester dealt with creeds and confessions and then problems in hermeneutics, which is about interpretation and specifically biblical interpretation, but uh, this was kind of largely about just interpretation in general. And uh, I'll talk about that one first because the creeds and confessions um, deals with the project that I've been working on since. Um, Problems in hermeneutics, well, both of these two courses are part of the core that every PhD student has to take. So it doesn't matter what you're going there to study. You have to take uh, these two courses as well as um, the philosophies uh, and worldview, history of philosophy and worldviews course, which I took the semester previous. And problems in hermeneutics, uh, we didn't have a whole lot of work before before the intensive, but it has the reputation of the intensive by far being the most intense. And I will agree that that, to my experience, has certainly been the case. Uh, talking to some of the other uh, students that were there, too, said, yeah, this has been by far the, the most challenging or most demanding. And that usually involved um, reading a chunk from one day to the next, but then that also would maybe involve some sort of writing assignment of varying lengths um, and, and or uh, prepping for debates or assessing others' work and stuff like that. So it's a really interesting course because um, we started basically with the idea of we, we picked up with higher criticism, like higher criticism of the Bible, that's essentially where the course started. And then it kind of worked through um, different, the different movements that have kind of led from uh, the higher critical method into what is essentially now um, deconstruction and um, postmodern, some of those postmodern thoughts and, and stuff like that. And then tried to kind of say, well, what do we do now? Where do we go from here type of thing? So it was really very interesting um, in that we got to talk about um, literary criticism and structuralism and, uh, you know, all sorts of things like that, you know, making our way through reader response criticism, you know, all sorts of different things. Um, and, you know, it was kind of, you know, you didn't never knew exactly what you were going to get when you went went to class um, as far as how that was going to go or what we were all going to talk about. But but it was really engaging day to day. And um, I, it was definitely stuff that I had not done a lot of work with. And so I was glad to glad to spend some time with that and definitely learned, learned a bunch. Um, so that was one thing. The what other would you say uh, yeah? as far as uh, having done that, was mm-hmm. there anything that you found – um, particularly beneficial or most beneficial for having, I mean, did you view it as, oh, it was nice I did this, but it does, didn't make much of a difference? Or do you, did you get glean things that you think will really be helpful in the long run? Yeah, so I, I think there were a couple of things that I would that I would take away to say that, um, number one, I was just kind of, okay, good to, good to kind of see, like, understanding where, you know, like you hear some of these terms or some of these things get thrown around, but kind of see where they came from or uh, and what they mean, um, how they actually are put to use. So that was good. Um, I will say, you know, because I think one of the things that we did largely with our um, hermeneutic work, you know, um, going through school basically took us up to the, you know, we, we did higher, um, the higher critical stuff, got through that a little bit, but kind of, stopped like what maybe mid-20th century with you know like what gospel reductionism maybe is kind of where we ended about so this was kind of nice in that you know we kind of picked up about where we ended um, and kind of went from there so uh, because there are just some of these things um, especially looking around in the world today uh, that are 
largely a part of or are influenced by some of these um, hermeneutical things. So I think I have a much better grasp of kind of just where um, the world is with some of that, where where maybe our students are coming from, although they not that they would necessarily be aware of some of some of the things, some of the influences that are out there um, that that impact them as much as it as it does. Uh, but I would say that's that's a big thing. And then I think the whole having a chance to talk a little bit specifically about the idea of post-structuralism, um, deconstruction, um, decentering of of self. Um, as far as understanding some of those influences or, or movements, I should say, that are taking place in the world right now um, to kind of see where they come from. And th- then also maybe to have a, have a bit of a, a way to answer some of those things. I think that's, that's been kind of the, the big, big takeaway for me in that. So, so I, I would say that's probably the biggest is to say, okay, I have a much better grasp of those type of things. Nice. I'll let you continue. You were mentioning well, another Well, let's talk oh. hermeneutics for a second because, uh, okay, that's a fancy word, blah, 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 mm-hmm. higher criticism, but hermeneutics is one of those things like philosophy, theology, everybody does it, whether you know it or not, right. whether you know the meaning of the, the word or not. You do it when you watch a movie. Yep, so any kind of thing that's a text, and we broaden text to be any kind of information that comes your way, whether it be visual, uh, something not written on a page, or even you could even say, uh, you know, um, personal, physical way you interact with somebody. Reading um, someone's body language. Yeah, body language. So, um, and it's not like we woke up, as Jason mentioned, it's not like we woke up and said, the way we determine truth is if you're a victim, you're true. If you are an oppressor, you are false. Right? There, there's, a, there's a line that goes through there. Um, it could be that, all right, there's no such thing as the spiritual realm. Therefore, there's no such thing as divine revelation. Therefore, the way we interpret texts, what is true, what is false, what is right and wrong, is only through a scientific process. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't work out yeah. <laughs> because you have no you have no ability to have right or wrong, right? So if you eliminate a right or wrong, even truth and falsity from a, from an outside the world point of view, you're left only with science, and science again doesn't tell you what is right or wrong. So that's not workable. So if you eliminate divine revelation, how do you come up with right or wrong, right? And we still want to have right and wrong, so maybe each tribe gets to figure it out or whatever. So this actually has very real ramifications. Right? Very much so, yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, hermeneutics is a, is, a, is a fun word and very applicable to, I mean, you could have a Bible class in your, in your, in your church on hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need a better title to get people to come. Yeah, right. Yeah. But once they realize what's going on, they would. And, and and to be self-critical about our own hermeneutic and how we we see things through lenses of America. We see th- through lenses through our political, see uh, through the lens of our own experience, right? And it's always a constant battle to fight against those things of yourself and, you, and your society. And uh, if you don't do that, well, then we do become tribal, right? So like higher criticism has some a priori, some prior convictions. Yeah. Yep, right. And because they've said we eliminate this interpretation, then you're stuck with your own interpretation, and that can have devastating results, not just on your quest for truth, but your morality, mm-hmm. right? So it's, a, it's an interesting topic. Yeah, and I think one and of... And hearing you guys talk all this philosophy, I think, I think one of you, either one of you is ready to take ethics. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, I'm. Who wants to go at it? <laughs> I, yeah, uh, no. I want you have it. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you would. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think one of the things too that uh, that um, Dr. Veltz, who is the professor for that, he he, um, which he, he's been teaching this course a long time, and you know, this is I think one that he is really 
pleased with and proud of just kind of how this progresses and things like that. But, but getting to that point at the end of, you know, what do you do with that? And saying, you know, like from a theoretical standpoint, there's, there's some, there's something there, yeah. right? You know, I mean that, that, you know, there, there's something that, that makes sense with some of these things, but then, you know, when it comes to practically living your life, when it comes to actually day-to-day type of stuff, it doesn't really work. It doesn't play out that way. And, and I think, um, I know you've used this phrase, Mike, a number of times, you know, but you don't, you don't live your life yeah. that way, right? Or as Wade was bringing up in Nebraska when talking about Flacius and, and, or the post-Lutheran, how does this preach? Yeah, yeah. How does this preach, yeah. Yeah, so, so I think, again, it was interesting stuff, good to, good to talk about, and I have a much greater understanding, and I would say appreciation for some of these things, yeah. um, and maybe how to look at them, or how to, how to address some of them. Yeah, and this is, uh, you know, to use a couple phrases that we, or a few phrases that we repeat a lot, uh, you know, the, the unexamined life is not worth living, right, and, and we're not, we're not doing that very well in our society, on any issue, any side of any issue, not really pulling the string of that mm-hmm. philosophy or worldview to seeing to see that it doesn't have a foundation or that it ends up in the exact perhaps the exact opposite of what you actually want right and a thought that you just had I, you're reminding me of many of these things that seem to be challenges to the christian worldview they have a point yeah they have a point and um every human philosophy is going to um uh, have a point for the most part. I can't think of very, very few, even some nasty ones that to- don't come out of as a, as a kernel of truth or, or a legit concern. Like Wade likes to say, they're, they're pretty good at, at diagnosing things. But every philosophy is going to be not only incomplete, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to fight against the word of God since it since it's comes from faulty human nature. And so very often ask the right questions, but they have the wrong answers. Mm. And I think it's a mistake for us because somebody has the wrong answer to ignore the question, right? I think that's, that's kind of a key to maybe understanding where people come from and truly understanding things that we're not familiar with or we don't like, right? Yeah. And well, if and you really want to combat it, then you got to combat the question. Well, and that's, I mean, isn't that what Moses does in the... In Genesis, right? He's, what are the big questions? And then he gives the answers to them, right? This, so much of that is aimed at the questions that the ancient Near East would have been asking at the time. Paul at the Areopagus, you know, Mars Hill, yeah. And, well, I'll wait for my, for my turn, but that brings about an idea that I've been thinking about. Yeah. I'll stop. Okay. And, and, I, and I think it would, you know, there's probably some um, future episodes that we could mine you know some of the, you know this Absolutely. topic for just because uh yeah there's a lot you know, oh, a and lot especially maybe if you got a, a few like short readings like to throw it away yeah maybe maybe to round this out to give an example of what we mean by this let's just take an obvious one like okay marxist so i'll, th- I'll throw that word around against people i don't like sometimes uses a dog whistle mm. i like to use it with friends um <laughs> most people don't really probably understand what they're talking about i disagree with some fundamental things with the way marx speaks uh, and thinks um i don't agree with the answer um but the question was pretty darn good well and when you look at like and something the que- like the a late stage capitalism and it, i don't want his solution no but he mm-hmm. kind of called what would be happening yeah and one of one of the the points that he makes in a diagnostic way is we have been turned into primarily consumers, right? So I use this analogy that Karl Marx is doing the same thing as really bad Advent preaching. So Advent preaching is about the, the dangers of consumerism in this Christmas time that so, should be so sacred. Please keep Christ in Christmas, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you're fighting against that same idea of materialism, but at least Marx is getting to something much deeper that you have been taught to think by an outside force of yourself in an inaccurate way that you are primarily a consumer. Now, this is, this is, this is not fair to Marx, but you get what I'm saying. Right. Where 
the typical late 20th century That's Jason holding a Gadsden flag. <laughs> Advent preaching is now notice the turn to from the group and the world to the individual. It's your individual sin that hurts your soul, but doesn't really address the question like this has ramifications much deeper than just your piety and you being a good Christian by coming to extra Advent services, but affects you at your core, your core identity, and affects the people around you, right? vocational talk which was largely lost in the in, in in modernity as we were hyper individualistic at least in america right and so there's so much going on there right mm-hmm. instead of that surface level yeah and so you can disagree with Karl marx dude's got a point right well and I, it brings to mind so i have a relative i won't say who but uh had been having some health problems had gone to a specialist who assumed, oh, it must be this part of the body, this thing, um, went out of state, had an episode, had to go to the ER, and the ER prints off um, for this relative uh, a sheet that says, here's the symptoms that this is, it's, it's probably this. Um, and it was a totally different thing. She ends up going to a specialist for that totally different thing, and uh, they're able to do surgery and treat it, and things look look better then uh right the the first doctor although a specialist was not a good diagnostician mm-hmm. and the the er er doctor his job is not to have long term right you're in and out there mm-hmm. but was a very good diagnostician but he certainly wasn't the guy to fix it um and so you go to another specialist to treat it but now you know who to go to yeah, right that is a great analogy and, and i think that's part of it is the um the questions are important, yeah. and it's sometimes maybe the ER doctor is better equipped to ask the questions because they got to do it right on the spot, right? They're not seeing seen, the same things all the seen time. Seeing many things, yeah. And, uh, and that sets us up then to be ready now with the, the right diagnosis, the right questions, or from those questions to get to appropriate answers. And I think, you know, there can be a value in that. Jason, you had one more thing with that you were going to say. Or I, this is becoming a Jason-centric episode, and I like that. It might be the first Jason-centric <laughs> the episode. I wasn't necessarily going to say anything more on the on the hermeneutic. Say what you want to say, though, Jason. So, the the other thing, kind of the the part B of my summer thoughts, um, is the second class that I had, which um, was creeds and confessions, and um, uh, Dr. Maxwell uh, was the professor for that class, and he's an early church guy, which was um uh interesting uh in that the the focus largely was on the Nicene Creed and kind of the the implications of that and how that impacted yeah they, uh, they accept that in Missouri right they, yes they do I, I i i did not hear anything to the contrary at least okay. so. uh <coughs> never know so just want to be sure yeah right right um but which was also a helpful thing because um a couple of the courses that i teach um, are certainly um, the the theology of Nicaea and the history of Nicaea impacts, you know. Yeah. So so that was a helpful thing. I, I took a few things away from that. Um, the the we got to read a number of um, books on that. Um, some of the uh, early church fathers, um, but then also some later, you know, more contemporary takes on what's what was going on with Nicaea. So that was good, um, and. I, I mean, I personally, you know, going for more of a Reformation focus in my program would have liked maybe to spend a little more time on, you know, the Lutheran confessions of the 16th century. But but this was really helpful um, to spend the time. There. Yeah. yeah, right, yeah. And then, but, but I was thankful that um, there is kind of a seminar paper that's attached to this <laughs> course uh, that you have to write 20 to 25 pages on. And... There, he said, you know, you can do that on whatever topic that you want to do. So I, uh, you know, he wanted to meet with each of us. And the area of focus that I was looking to, that, I'm, that I would like to do something on is I'm working some with um, Johannes Bugenhagen. An adiaphorist. <laughs> yes, that, uh, who is, um, ended up on the opposite side of Flotsius. so. Side. Yeah. So yeah, um, <coughs> we'll see how we'll see how that all plays out. But also said some pretty mean things about my boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, the 
But he was Luther's pastor, and he, he did was some Luther's good stuff pastor. too. Yeah, and uh, there was a bit of no one's perfect invective coming from Magde- Magdeburg. I don't as even well. want to hear that. But, uh, uh, just anyway, so admonition, <laughs> admonition. Yes. So uh, that was kind of what I said. Uh, one of the things that we talked about in the course was how um, Nicaea kind of served as a as a hermeneutical key for. Um, understanding the scriptures and combating the arguments of the Arians. Uh, and the key at Nicaea especially was focused on the incarnation, um, where said, well, in the Lutheran Reformation, where the key probably is more uh, the idea of law and gospel and proper, properly distinguishing law and gospel. And so... That's been the paper that I've been writing. It has been kind of taking a look at, hey, this is what they did at Nicaea. This is the key for us as Lutherans. And here's a demonstration of how Bugenhagen used that in his commentary work. So I've been reading a lot of Bugenhagen, which is the first time I've really gotten a chance to dig into some of his writings and some of the secondary literature around that. So I've been very thankful for that opportunity and been really... uh, Really enjoyable reading, and uh, over over the halfway mark, I would say, with the paper at this point, and um, yeah, he has been working dutifully. If any of his instructors are listening, I I, I have been. Uh, he has been. I've been trying to uh, be disciplined and keep pace with that. I um, was able to acquire um, a couple of key books along the way too that I've been looking for. So, well, good. so it's been been productive as far as that goes. So that's kind of the the area of my major focus as far as summer thoughts go. Well, and I think we can we can toss it to Michael. I uh we I'm always talking. We know what I'm doing. So um yeah. I will uh I'm curious to see what you I working on church state paper for symposium and then I'm doing Flacia stuff. Yeah. That's the two big th- I want to do formation at some point. That's yeah. the next book project, but yeah. I haven't got to it. But Michael, why don't you give us some stuff you've been thinking on? Well doing the Christ in Old Testament, finishing up a book on theology of the cross and Saint Peter, which will come out I don't know when, probably in, in the future. Year, in the future, the undetermined future. Um, <coughs> sat on a jury. Actually, didn't sit, didn't get chosen, but that was thinking about that painful process. Mm. Um, but I've been reading quite a bit, as summer is for us. One that I've been reading um, a little bit every day is Peter Kraft. I think we now have the <laughs> pronunciation correct after... 20 years. Um, he produced, um, I think it's five volumes. Uh, nice looking books, although they're paperback, but they come in like a little box. I like uh, that. Published that by happens, yeah. World on Fire. And it's the 100 Most Important Philosophers. Oh, it's World on oh. Fire. That's Baron's thing. Yep, so Baron. Okay, yeah. So um, really helpful. So like, you know, Aristotle's going to get 10 pages, but other people get like a page and a half. And just, okay, one a day, just kind of go, go through. And he's just such a brilliant writer and, uh, and has a little bit of wit and humor to it. And it's just been helpful for me. It's been helpful for me also because the more, I don't know, maybe it's, it's because I have time to read or I'm on the college campus or whatever, but growing into this idea that all theology is Christology, but all theology is also anthropology. And trying not to be too uh, a person too much of my time, and I, I think this is something that's helpful. Maybe it could turn out poorly, but it's helpful to say these are the big questions that everybody has ever asked. So Peter Kraft and others would say, if you if you want to start with the Bible from an academic point of view, uh, read Ecclesiastes first. Like, we'd be like, that would be like the last one, (laughs) you know? Right. But uh, because you're asking these questions and saying, these are dead ends. Uh, Human rights is a dead end unless you have the, um, the, the, the concept of the image of God, right? Uh, trying to find an epistemology within yourself, the study of knowledge. How do I know my, things at all if i if i f- try to grind that ground that in reason alone um the only thing that we can by reason know for sure is that reason is incomplete and faulty right 
These are very important questions that everybody asks. And something that was not really, I don't know that theology was taught that way to me. Mm. And maybe rightfully so, right? But this is part of being self-examined that, okay, we, we grew up not just in the, in, the, in the late modern period, but our teachers were modern. Uh, our church body was, mo- our country was modern, right? And we, I, I mean that by modernity. American Protestantism yeah. is modern. Protestants modern, right? And there's good, bad, and ugly, just like the medieval church, good, bad, and ugly, yep. right? And history is just so darn important in all of this, but also specifically the, the history of thought, right? So I don't think it's like a new lens by which I look at things, and yet maybe it is. It's kind of a practical thing to stop and say, okay, Moses is not telling me just some bland historical recounting of the beginning, He's not fighting against 20th century or 19th century problems. He's saying something about the very nature of who we are and the nature of God and our relationship there. And ethics and what is a good life? How do we know things? All those kinds of core questions. And the more I think about worship, which is, you know, was a hobby of mine. Hobby is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? An interest of mine in the parish and turned into a book and, and teaching the class here, um, starting to ask that, that worship is, is very anthropological, right? And so it was fun to teach a, a bunch of uh, pastors who knew what's going on with worship and, and had the basics of, of theology more than that, of course, but to look at worship through an anthropological lens. So you as a human being worship, don't care who you are. You are liturgical because you occupy time and space. You have ritual and tradition, even if it's only five minutes old. And the very nature of Adam and Eve going to in the garden to church, right, and doing something like receiving good things from God, taking him as a word, God saying, there are things that are not your business, you need to trust me. That's what worship is, is to to gain good things from God, to get good things from God, and to and to trust. As our confessions say, worship is finally just trust. And to start pulling that string as a as a parish pastor to to see your people as worshipers, um, I don't know. It it's it, there's a whole other level there. It changes your preaching and your ministry. So thinking more and more this summer about just that very concept of asking the big questions, and the Bible answering those big questions in its own unique way compared to Greek philosophy, um, existentialism, you, we can list a hundred things from there, right? And I think it's very helpful because it's, even though it seems so theoretically, it becomes very practical when it comes to teaching and ministry. Is that good? That's good. Yeah. Right. I like it. I'm done. And I enjoyed it, the presentation when you were doing it, Michael. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, you know, just talk about that idea of, you know, ritual and tradition, you know, that, um, you know, with that uh, family vacation that we do that, which mine got cut short this year with. Um, no ski-do. No ski-do, mm-hmm. no. Um, the <laughs> there are just some of these things that, you know, we've been doing that. This was year 20 um, that, that my family has been doing this. Uh at the same place, same cabin, um, and the group has the some members have gone to heaven, but others uh, have been born since. My my daughter was uh, four months old, three months old, four months old, I think the first first time we went. So um, and she's in college now. So, but there are just some of these things that you know are part of what you do there, and and the idea of uh, you know the kids, my 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 daughter and her cousins are like. But this is what we have to do because this is what we. This is the way we right. always do this. This is this is how it has to be. Yep. Uh, and so, I mean, th- there there are those things that pop up everywhere, um, whether you know it or realize it or appreciate it or not. Yeah. Reminds me of a, a a book I read, Michael, uh, recommended by our friend Adam Morton, who is exceptional at recommending weird books uh, that I end <laughs> up finding helpful. But uh, religious affects animality evolution and power um and the book was basically about how uh 
even in the animal world, there's religious-like things mm-hmm. that we see mm-hmm. animals doing um, that I think is interesting in the context of what you're talking about. Not that, not that a gorilla is a Christian, although I like to think Harambe was. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, but that this is a part of a life in the, in the world. I, if I can maybe just connect that and then we can, we can close it out. Um, I've been reading a lot on uh, church and state, and I've worked a lot on church and state in the past. Um, and yesterday, as I was kind of tying it together, this paper got entirely too long, but I don't have to read the whole thing, and I think it's worthwhile throwing resources at guys. Um, but I kind of like insisted on including a section on Bonhoeffer, and so I had been rereading his ethics. Um, and something in this connection struck me, too, that as we, as we try to like break down th- uh, things into like clean distinctions and concepts, which is a very Lutheran thing to do, but it's also a very American thing to do, there's spiritual and secular, public and private, right? All of these these things. Um, and, and we can do that with two kingdoms so that like German idealism in the 19th and 20th century German theology comes up with like this weird two kingdom theology that's no longer really biblical. You know, it's, it's, it's more cultural, uh, um, political. And so that even uh, Hitler, Paul Henlicke has a great section in uh, his book Before Auschwitz on even Hitler kind of develops kind of a two-kingdom doctrine because he's like, this is really handy for, like, dealing with the Christians and keeping them off my, my back. Yeah. Um, Bonhoeffer and his ethics reacting to that is going to talk about, like, while we can talk about two spheres, we can't separate them in a way that you ever live in just one. And there's no world that the Christian is going to live in that isn't a world into which Christ came, took on flesh, died, right? A world that he hasn't come to redeem. And I think that fits along those lines too that when we talk about the diagnosis or when we're thinking about worship uh, or two kingdoms, church and state, uh, there can be good insights and there's helpful questions that can come apart from faith. But one of the gifts we have as Christians in seeing things through an Ecclesiastes or a biblical lens that I think Bonhoeffer is right about is that there is no reality that's real apart from Christ. Um, in whatever sphere it be or in any of these areas. Um, and that always strikes me that, that that's what he went to. You know, he's writing this in the years leading up to his imprisonment. So he begins like 1940, writes till about 43, and then he has to stop writing because he goes to prison for um, being part of a conspiracy to assassinate Hitler, which, as I note in the paper, is a very good reason to go to, paper, to a prison. There's worse reasons <laughs> to go. Um, and uh, And so maybe connecting that of this, like totality of experience is maybe something that's coming up in all of these things that as Christians we have the ability uh, to see things in a, the the totality of things maybe more. Um, But the danger is that, that in order to digest that, we can sometimes break it down in ways that make things seem more divorced than they are. Yeah. It's very modern thing to be, um, to split everything into black and white into two things because yeah. that's easy to understand. And I, I, think, I have in the paper that sometimes life is printed in grayscale. Yeah. Mm. And, and for Lutherans, uh, you know, and this is where we go kind of a Lutheran moment, embracing the paradox, right? And so two-kingdom theology is not so much a church and state with a wall of separation. Yeah. Th- that's, just, that's just too that's modern. That's just Jefferson. Yeah. yeah, it's just too modern. It's nice, Right, it's shorthand, but even Jefferson understood like you can't. I mean, you can't take the functionally. Yeah, uh, you can't take the. You can't take the the Christian who is a politician. You can't take Christianity out. He can say, okay, this is in just a different sphere, and there's dangers if I mix these spheres. But it's not like he goes into the bathroom, changes different clothes, and is a different person. Yeah. And it's actually fascinating with that. I'll throw it right back to you, but. Um, I really enjoy this book, uh, America's Prophet, and it's about Moses in America. And he includes in here this section I'd never known before um, where Adams, Jefferson, and Franklin are all tasked with coming up with the Great Seal. Um, and, uh, Ad- uh, and Jefferson and Franklin both come up with proposals that have Moses. Mm-hmm. Um, and neither of those guys are Orthodox no. Christians by any means. Um, but they, right, Jefferson can even realize, or Franklin that the Bible is full of stories that even if you're not a Christian, mm-hmm. like they, and, why, and they like Moses. Why? Because, like, see what tyrants get. 
you know, don't tread on me, Pharaoh. Um, but this, yeah. Yeah, I, I just read a book, uh, Why Liberals Win Even Though They Lose Elections by Stephen Prothero, which he's a great author. This is, it doesn't have the nuance, it, it wasn't meant to be nuanced or whatever like that, but talks about cultural wars and they, they fit a pattern. Um, I, we don't need to talk about it. It's not that great of a book, but um, but the, one of the points that, that he, he does like, like to make is um, this is not so simple, this, this separation kind of thing. Um, and we tend to use it for our own advantage, right? So if I, if I, if I don't want, if I don't want the, this mixing for my personal thing, I will, the Jeffersonian wall, but if I kind of want it mixed, then I'm all of a sudden, yeah, you know, some, some hypocrisy there, but yeah, those are, those are questions that, and I think, again, this is a Lutheran moment because at least historically Lutheranism has gotten that connection between physical and spiritual, two kingdoms, and the the paradoxes that often result. Um, and so you're not modern in the sense like law, gospel, church, state, even though that's important. But there there's paradoxes there that you have to live with, feet in both kingdoms. And I truly believe that this is exactly why. In our lifetime, all of a sudden we started caring about vocation, liturgy, theology of the cross, stuff like that, where our fathers and grandfathers, those were... Not as much on the radar. There were historical, historical, interesting quirks for the, the guy who taught uh, the Luther class at the seminary, but not something that was really that, that applicable, where you can't go anywhere within all of Christendom let alone just Lutheranism, without talking about those. And what, what do they have in common? Well, they're putting, putting these two realms together, and this is one of the great questions, the mind-body question. Right? How, how, do, how do these things interact? So, and it gets played out, like you said, you know, like everybody's got a tradition. You know, mm -hmm. and, and so embrace that, learn that, and it's, it's a part of your humanity, even for yep. young. In fact, very, sometimes even more, as you pointed out, even more for young people. Right. Right? That they want these things repeated. Yeah. And, and gives them that bigger thing to grab onto, yeah. something bigger than me, yeah. you know, that, yeah. yeah. And, and historically, a connection to the past, right? That's, right, yep. They're talking about this is a connection to the past. Even at a young age, they, they realize the past is important to who I am. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to hold on to that, and I don't want to lose it. Right. Something I want to look forward to for the future. You know, the Lord willing, we do this again. It's and writ large, yeah. you know, is is some of the stuff that we see in the church. All right. Yeah. Well, we're at about time. Jason, do you have anything you'd like to add? No, although uh, maybe just, you know, complete, talking about a new tradition for our vacation next year. This big knotty pine t table that we There's eat. There's a knotty pine? Knotty, as in K-N-O-T-T-Y. Not... N a u g h t y. Michael, we just had a tradition with a naughty pine. <laughs> I don't. I don't even. But we like we put beer in it. We like. But okay. saying this huge, huge table and just like uh, table nachos. Have you heard of this? Mm. Like you just cover the cover the table in you know paper. Or, you know something Look that won't get this messy. Makes, and this is such a and thing. Just turn the whole table into a giant mess of nachos. Yeah. Right. Doesn't that sound wonderful? That sounds like a that slice of like, paradise. That sounds like Jason. That sounds like letting the bird fly. Uh, every evening when the sun goes down, get to my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a tank. I set them up, another round. I set them up, another round. I set them up, another round. One more round won't get me down.